What is going on, Abstract Sports Nation? Welcome to episode 53 of the Abstract Sports Podcast, where we bring sports back to life with a unique perspective on the game from abstract and yet also popular angles. Coming at you live on Facebook, just like every other week, Wednesday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. You can find us here at facebook.com slash abstract sports. Be sure to follow us on any other social media outlet you can think of. Do a search for abstract sports. You'll find us. Um, we're active on some more than others. And uh, Facebook being the main one with the podcast. Uh, but then also be sure to check out the website, abstractsports.com. That place is pretty neat. We post a lot of articles. We have people posting articles. Uh, we got some new types of content coming out really soon. So you're going to want to check it out. Uh, Michael on Facebook says, edit, LOL. If you weren't here for the, the pre-stream shenanigans, as I have titled them, uh, I definitely had a goof up. I said 53, very wrong. And I was like, let's take a moment of silence for that terrible attempt at an intro. And then I proceeded to pause my microphone, take a drink of water, regroup, and here we are, crushing it. All right, let's get this thing on the road. Episode 53, Abstract Sports Podcast. Let's go. All right, guys, I've just got to say I'm extremely excited that you're here. I've got a lot of stories to tell from my last week and a half of being on vacation to Philadelphia slash New Jersey slash New York City and traveling back home to Idaho Falls, Idaho, a quaint little place that nobody knows about. And uh, I just, I had such a good time and I want to share it with you guys as much as I can because uh, the way that I, I've ran abstract sports is the whole idea of relating sports back to life and going to experience a city like Philadelphia and New York City. Sports are very prevalent in those cities. They're a big part of their culture. And I had the opportunity to attend two baseball games on my trip uh, which I'll be dropping photos of, eventually doing a blog post about it. Just got to find the time to do it. So I want to at least give you guys a sneak peek at how that how the trip went and uh, share some of the experiences that I got got to enjoy. And uh, um, we'll just kind of go from there. But we also have some NBA action a little bit later on in the show. We're going to recap the NBA awards and what went down, what I had predicted beforehand, uh, and how we got to where we are now with the actual results in our hand. So um, let's just get this thing started with a little bit of life, all right? So my wife, she is a nuclear engineering PhD student uh, with the University of Idaho, and she has an internship, and she does this thing called American Nuclear Society. Uh, I'm not giving them a shout-out by any means, but maybe you can, you can consider that a shout-out enough. But because of this ANS American Nuclear Society group, she gets to go on, go to conferences twice a year. There's a student meeting and then there's a, like a national meeting. Um, I don't remember which one this was, but she said that she was going to Philadelphia and she asked if I wanted to go. And I checked out my, my PTO at my, my day job and I was like, you know what? Let's friggin' give it a try. And so I put the time in, got the time off, and was able to go to Philadelphia with my wife and a bunch of her friends from her nuclear engineering program. And I had the blast of my life. It was, it was probably, it was tops guys. It was, 
it was way up there in terms of life experiences that you can have, um, especially jam-packed into a nine-day span. So to lay out the stories, I'm going to try to keep it as short as I can but because I, I could probably go on forever about how much stuff I saw, okay? And I'll also bring it back to sports. I'll bring life back to sports in this case. I think they are interchangeable. Um, you know, obviously, I didn't travel to Philadelphia or New York City to watch a baseball game because I'm not a fan of the Mets or the Phillies, but... I did happen to catch a game while I was there, and I always try to catch a game in a city when I'm in a big city that has a professional team, no matter what the sport is. So we'll just start with that. So we get to Philadelphia. Basically, um, let's look at the calendar here. Um, we're looking at the 15th. Holy crap, that was that long ago already? June 15th was a Friday. I worked a full day that day, and I, as soon as I left here, I went and met all the people that we were traveling with and we drove to Salt Lake City to catch our flight from Salt Lake City to Philadelphia. And this flight was a red eye. It took off basically right at midnight. We arrived in Philadelphia at 6 a.m. Saturday morning and we were in an Airbnb so we couldn't actually check in until 3 p.m. I think it was. So we were roaming around with bags for a little while. When got breakfast, uh, but we did manage to go and you know, wheedle our way into a hotel and ask them if we could just have them hold our bags. So we did that. We tipped them. We were nice. And we went on our way. We went and had lunch. We went and saw some parts of the city like Liberty Bell, uh, pretty basic stuff, you know, in Philadelphia. I mean, the Liberty Bell is basic stuff, but that's like ultimate American history, right? Um, and we, we kind of do that. It was really hot. Like I'm talking like 90 degrees with humidity and sweat through all the clothes, wearing a backpack. It was brutal. We had to make sure we had water in our hands or we were going to be dehydrated and dead by the end of the day. Um, we were finally able to check into the hotel or our Airbnb. And in Philadelphia, we were staying right on the edge of Chinatown. Um, and if you know Philadelphia at all, uh, Chinatown's right on the edge of the downtown area. So we're like two blocks away from the city hall. Uh, apparently next to city hall, there's a Masonic temple, fun fact. Uh, but then if you just keep going down that road past city hall, there's the art museum that Rocky ran up the steps to. Um, then if you, if you go South, you're going towards the Mets stadium or not Mets, you're going towards the Phillies, Eagles and Sixers stadiums. Uh, it's like a five, four to five mile walk. Uh, more stories about that coming soon, but Philadelphia was great. We, uh, uh, I had a good time. Basically, my wife had to work the entire time we were there up until Thursday afternoon. And so I had a friend, Charles. I don't know if you guys know Charles, but let me go find a link for you real quick. It might jar some memories. When I say jar, I don't mean that in a bad way, Charles. I'm just saying like jar as in, you remember this guy? <laughs> so I'm going to drop a little link to his abstract sports profile. He has posted some articles on our website, um, I believe two to be exact. Uh, one was titled, uh, it was a preview for a game that it was titled Great Lake Rivalry Game for This Century. Uh, and then he had another article called, Is It Just a Game? And he talks about how we get so deep into sports that we feel like we're attached to the players and the teams that we support that uh, we start to lose perspective on what it means to be a fan and how we're connected to that team as a uh, entity within the culture of that city or whatever the team is, you know what I mean? So there's a link to Charles' pro, uh, profile on Abstract Sports. Check out his articles there, if you will. 
Uh, but he he lives in Virginia, so he managed to come up and meet me for a couple days. I mean, it was like an hour and a half train ride. I, I lied. That's way more than that. It was like four or five hours for him to come up and meet me relatively cheap for the time. Uh, but it was awesome, man. Like it was so cool to have somebody there that I know and be able to go and peruse the city. He had been there once before recently. So he knew some of the things, but, uh, having two extra days there, he was able to see a lot more with me and, and he was able to show me some stuff as well. So I'm extremely thankful for Charles for coming up, man. I appreciate that. I love you, bro. Um, I hope to see you again soon. Uh, but while, I, while I was in Philly, you know, just to list off some things that I did, I had like six different cheesesteaks. All of them were great. Um, I went to the Charles, Charles and I went to the art museum and this is where, you know, Rocky runs up the steps and he's like, yeah, whoop. uh, we went there and the art was awesome. Saw some, uh, Pablo Picasso's, some Monet's, some mayonnaise. Uh, we also saw some Piet Mondrian's, uh, some paintings that I've been wanting to see for a long time. Something that I've, I support as far as art goes and what they mean. Um, a lot of people don't understand it. And that's why I kind of love it also. I mean, I, that's not why I love it, but it kind of adds to the joy of it that nobody really understands what it means when you look at a painting that has primary colors, black lines, and white canvas. And it's just sort of in like some, some sort of layout. But I find meaning in that and I enjoy that. So beyond that, there was like medieval armor, like Chinese temples that got brought in and like neighborhoods that got brought into the museum um, as is, they just kind of staged it to look like it was back then. It was really freaking cool, man. It was totally worth the money. And, uh, I saw a lot of stuff. We were there for like four to five hours. Um, so hell of a good time. Go to the art museum in Philadelphia, but also one of those days that he was there, we walked to a Mets game or a Phillies game. And when I say walked, like if you walk South to South Philadelphia or through South Philadelphia, it's like, a long stretch. I don't, the name of the road, is, it escapes me. It's like, it's Broad Street. That's what it is. You walk south all the way down Broad Street till you hit the highway. And then right there, there's a group of stadiums. And you've got the Phillies on the uh, the eastern side. You've got the Eagles at the far southern southeastern side. And then you've got the Philadelphia 76ers, like, southwestern side. It's a big complex. And they have this big old, like, sports party bar in the middle that's meant to be for pre-gaming and stuff like that and of course we did that but to tell a little bit of story on the way there we walked right so four to five miles and in philadelphia on this day it's like 90 95 degrees with a super duper um well what's the word what's the word uh humidity it was just really sticky hot you know and so any breeze that rolled through it was just a hot breeze we had to stop about four, three and a half miles in or so and get some water from a Starbucks. And it kind of carried us through to the stadium. We got there, had a couple of beers, BS a little bit. And then we went into the stadium, found our seats and it was awesome. We had 12th row seats. They were like 75 bucks a piece. Worth it. hundred percent. Phillies fans get rowdy. They have Philly cheesesteaks you can buy. I bought a hat that has a Liberty Bell on it because that's Let's be honest, Liberty Bell represents more Philadelphia and America than it does the Phillies. But now I have a Phillies hat because of that reason. Um, you know, bought, I bought my mother-in-law a, uh, a Philly fanatic stuffed animal because she loves baseball and she would want a souvenir. So I got her that and had a Philly cheesesteak. We had a Yangling beer, a 24-ounce tall boy. You know, it's America's oldest brewery, so you got to respect. And I drank and I respected. 
And this game was awesome, man. Like it went an extra inning, went to the bottom of the 10th, and the Phillies ended up hitting a walk-off double to win the game and in a rowdy fashion. There were some rowdy Cardinals fans. We were sitting baseline, or like baseline, that's basketball. Uh, we were sitting third baseline, uh, 12th row up. And so because the dugouts for the visiting team is right there on the third baseline, we we were sitting around amongst the Cardinals fans. And here we are, like Charlie is a Cubs fan through and through. And I'm like, I like sports. Uh, and so I didn't have a team to root for, but I was rooting for the team I was watching at home because it just seems like the right thing to do. I don't want to get killed, you know? Um, so we had a good time there. The fans got rowdy. We uh, enjoyed our stay. And then we took the Metro back. There was no way we were going to walk five miles back. It would have been nicer at night, but 250 for a one-way trip to city center Philadelphia, that was easy. Easy, easy uh, decision to make. So that's basically two different directions of Philly. But Charlie and I also went on a travel around Old City, Philadelphia, uh, over to the old shipyard slash harbor. Uh, heard some crazy Jersey guys with their Jersey accents talking like like Guidos. And when I say that, I mean it in the most respectful way. That's just how I know the, uh, you know, like Jersey Shore, the show. Those guys talk like, oh, t-shirt time. You know, they have the Jersey accent. I can't do it right. But it's better in person when you actually get to experience the Jersey accent by a person from Jersey. Because when you're in Philly, there's Philly, there's a bridge. Don't remember the name of it, but it was really cool. Check out my Instagram, at Kyle Clay Design. You can find some pictures on there of this trip. All of this trip, by the way, not just Philadelphia. But there's like Philadelphia, bridge that connects to to New Jersey. So you can see Philly, water, New Jersey. And it's the same for New Jersey. Like New Jersey, water, then New York. Um, So my trip to Philly was friggin' amazing. Um, Loved it. I mean, I was there for enough days that I got very comfortable there. I could probably take somebody there who's never been and show them around, uh, with, you know, it, it was a lot of walking. I didn't use the Metro at all because everything seemed so tight and close. So I just went for it. Um, then Thursday comes along and this is the day that the conference is over and we were about to make our way to New Jersey as a checkpoint to New York city. And I know this story is going on for quite a bit, but it, I got to tell it here because I have to tell a lot of people this story, and if I if I can just tell it here and share it, then, man, that makes it easy. And it's good recognition for the brand because bringing sports back to life slash bringing life into sports, that's what it's all about, man. Uh, you know, sports are a big cultural part of this country, and when you're visiting historical places like Philadelphia, you can't help but catch a Phillies game. You can't help but go to a sports bar and watch some World Cup games like I did. I basically became a regular at a bar called Fieldhouse, Happy hour five to seven, uh, local time. <laughs> catch some World Cup games and and uh, just enjoy myself. You know, catch up on the social media. So Thursday comes up, the conference is over, and we all meet up and we make our way to New Jersey. Uh, we stayed with a guy that one of our guys knew. Uh, went to high school and uh, uh, school with him at uh, Rutgers University in New Brunswick, New Brunswick, New Jersey. Um, dude was super nice, very accommodating. We just kind of crashed on the floor, but that night we were there. We perused the Rutgers university campus, went to a place called, are you hungry? Home of the fat sandwich. And I got one that was called, I don't remember what it was some crazy name, but it had French fries in it. It had wings in it. It had tater tots. I don't know what all was in it, but it was all really good. And then after that, we went on a little walking tour of the campus. Cause the guy that lives there, he 
kind of works for the university as a social media guy. And uh, <clears throat> so we managed to get kind of an inside look at the university. Uh, very historic university. It's been around for 250 years. Unfortunately, their sports programs have not been the best recently. <laughs> uh, history does not mean that you have good sports teams. If you look at the U of I, it's kind of the same. But the thing that blew my mind, you know, being a, a University of Idaho alumni or alum, uh, <clears throat> we've been around 125 plus years, right? Our football team sucks. Our basketball team has been okay. They've been trying. They've been trying to make the tournament. The women's basketball team's been making the tournament, and actually having some success. Our track team's balling, uh, but Rutgers University—they're kind of on our level. You know, they're in the, they're a Big Ten team. Uh, I know that because Micah Brown, guy who are also an author on the blog here, go to abstractsports.com/slash Micah-Brown. Find some of his articles there. Um, he mentioned to me that Rutgers University is a Big Ten team, so he's like, unfortunately, that doesn't mean that their team's good. And I'm like. Exactly. But their campus is really cool. And I enjoyed my one night in New Jersey. Um, got to have some dollar slice pizza at this place just down the road from the university. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And then we went to sleep. We woke up, we showered and went to breakfast, got some coffee um, at the best coffee in New Jersey, a place called OQ, I think. I believe it's OQ. Um, we went there, had some coffee. We came back, packed our bags and we were on our way. Caught the train to New York City. And seriously, dude, we get there, you hop out of the subway, and we took it right to city center, right, like to the Rockefeller Center. And you get out of the subway system, you come up to the ground level, and boom, there's the city, man. It's huge. So I don't want to spend too much time on New York. We were there for two and a half days, but we got a lot done. So I'll just rattle it all off. First thing we did, we went up to the top of Rockefeller Center, uh, got some good views of the Empire State Building, Grand or the uh, Central Park, and we went back down. We went, got some quick food, uh, hot dog guy on the street, and at that point we decided we were going to go to a Mets game. Um, I believe either I, I can't remember which night it was. I want to say it was Friday night, like the night we got there, but we bought the tickets right there on the spot. I believe it was that same day, fifteen bucks a piece, triple deck. Um, and we were eating New York hot dogs from a uh, streetcar. And uh, we bought the tickets and we went on our way to check into our Airbnb. We had to catch the Metro, get out to Brooklyn. We stayed in a neighborhood called Williamsburg. It's just really hipstery looking and it's very hipstery in a lot of different ways. Neighborhood of Brooklyn. It's just across the bridge from uh, lower Manhattan where, you know, One World Trade Center is at, all that stuff. And so we, that night we went to the Mets game. And we got there kind of late because we went to Chinatown, got some dinner, got some dumplings, and then we we caught the Metro to the game. Funny story, actually. We were on the way to the Mets game. We had to make a little transfer, I believe it was. And we at the transfer point, everybody's trying to get to the game. So all the cars are super packed. So when our train shows up, I try to get on with everybody that we're with. We have like six people, right? My wife gets on. She had to like squeeze in and they ran out of space. And so our friend James, he ran to the next door in the next the next car over, and he managed to get in. But as he got in, the door shut. So I ran after him, tried to get in, and the doors were shutting on me. So I had to like back out. I missed the freaking train. Of course, I had to be the one to miss it. But I mean, it hadn't happened to one of us <laughs> at some point on this trip. Somebody had to get left behind. But luckily, my friends that we were with, they were texting me saying, 
uh, dude, the next train comes in seven minutes. Don't worry. Uh, catch the stop. You'll be just fine. We'll be right there waiting for you. Sure enough, waited seven minutes on the dot, caught the next one, got to them, and we made our way into the stadium. And we got there, had some had had, had some big beers, had some uh, I didn't we didn't have food. We already ate. So we got to the game, had some beers. We sat down. It was like we got there bottom of the fifth. So we got there kind of late, but our chi- tickets were cheap, so it was kind of whatever. We sit down, and at this point, top of the sixth inning, it was a Mets against the Dodgers. Okay, uh, Dodgers begin to go on a run. They juice the bases. Cody Bellinger hits a grand slam. So that's literally the first thing we see is like bases get loaded, grand slam. Holy crap, right? Like we showed up when the game was still tied 0-0. We witnessed a grand slam. Then Jose Bautista in the bottom half of that same inning comes up, hits a, hits a two-run shot. Um, I don't know if he flipped his bat for those who were asking because I know my brother Michael here, my dad, they both asked me, did he flip his bat? I'm like, I don't know, man. I was too caught up in the moment. Uh, <laughs> I'll put it that way. And we enjoyed that game, but then seventh inning stretch comes around and they make an announcement. They say, oh, by the way, we have a special guest. Busta Rhymes is going to be here post-game concert for New Balance. And we're like, we paid 15 bucks and we get to see Busta Rhymes? Man, that's a steal and a half. Sure enough, Mets lose, unfortunately. Uh, everybody proceeds to the lower decks to watch Busta perform. And we get down there, we're like enjoying it. You know, Busta spitting off some mumbly rhymes, but, you know, not mumble rap old school mumble rap, like where you rap really fast. You can't understand what he's saying unless you grew up in that time period, but even still, you don't know what he's saying. So you just kind of have to like make some motions that say like, you know, the song that was me kind of, uh, but then he kept saying he had a special guest and we were thinking like, okay, who's another New York based artist because Busta is New York. I'm pretty sure. Uh, so who else could it be? Like Alicia Keys, Jay-Z, 50 Cent, uh, I mean, it could be anybody, right? It was Jaden Smith. <laughs> and uh, Jaden Smith came out and performed like two or three songs. Uh, it was very, I mean, his songs were good. He got the crowd going pretty good. Busta Rhymes, I feel like it was not the right crowd of people to know who he was or what kind of music he did or know the lyrics at least. So Jaden Smith was able to get the crowd going. After he was done, the concert was over, and we made our way back to the Airbnb. The next day was a full day in New York. We hit the Brooklyn Bridge. We went across the Brooklyn Bridge all the way to the One World Trade Center Memorial. Went through a pavilion. Made our way over to the memorial. I got some videos and some pictures I'll be posting. Be sure to follow me at Kyle Clay Design on Instagram or Twitter. I've been posting them on there. Also find my Facebook page at Kyle Clay Design. It's just slash Kyle Clay Design. This is all of my like personal stuff. I keep my travel stuff separate from my sports because I don't know why, man. That's a big problem I have. It's like I have a branding problem where I don't know when to combine my life with my sports. And so I need to try to combine them both into one. And so I've been posting them to my personal stuff. So go follow Kyle Clay Design on all the different outlets. And uh, if you need design work done, let me know. I know some people, including your boy. Um, so Brooklyn Bridge, One World Trade Center Memorial, and then from there, we went on and walked the shore that borders the Hudson River. Across the Hudson River is New Jersey. 
and we walked all the way, like probably three miles, uh, to make it to the Highline Park, which is this one that runs through the city. Used to be an old railway that used to be used for distributing meats to all the meat districts in New York City at the time, back in like the 60s, 50s, 60s, back in the day. It was run down and old. Back in the 80s, they started a nonprofit, or the 90s, I should say. Early 2000s, they got started on building something new there, and it's really cool. It's like a four-mile stretch of sidewalks. They kept the original rail intact, and it just kind of runs straight through the city blocks. And then this sidewalk that meanders for four miles um, in and around all over the place. It's really neat. If you're ever in New York City, you got to check that out. It's a big revitalization project of that part of town. So go look at that. Um, but that night, we just kind of went home. We got, well, I, that's not true. We went and checked out uh, Times Square also. Pictures of that on the Instagram as well. And then we, uh, Michael, Michael on Facebook says, that's why you just play sports. Mixes life with sports. <laughs> exactly. And that's why I kind of blew it. I mean, I had this handle at Kyle Clay 2K for the whole point of trying to connect basketball or sports, you know, 2K, that's like the, the sports game, to my design stuff. So I'm wondering if I just name my my other page, Kyle Clay 2K, and then direct everything to that. Ah, it's just ah, it's so, so hard because my Kyle Clay design account is so old that maybe I just change that username, get rid of the old one. Ah, man, I don't know. Let me know what you think in the comments. It's kind of a complicated branding issue that I've never come across. Branding yourself is super hard, in my opinion, when you have so many interests, you know. So I'm open to input. But anyways, we went and saw Times Square. We got done with that, took a bunch of pictures, and then we went to a diner. We got $10 milkshakes, and then we went and bought beer at some little convenience store, carried the beer all the way back to our Airbnb in Brooklyn, where, you know, obviously we took the Metro and all that, but we ended up just kind of enjoying some beers together, talking about music, talking about life, talking about everything in between. And uh, just from our our rooftop, you know, we were sitting on our deck at this Airbnb and you can see the Chrysler building over here. You can see all this stuff all around. And man, New York City was inspiring. My favorite thing about the entire trip, honestly, is just the amount of diversity that there is in a big city like that. It kind of makes you appreciate what this country is supposed to be. Uh, a big melting pot of people where everybody is welcome. Doesn't really matter what your what your your race or ethnicity is, doesn't matter what your orientation is, doesn't even matter what your background is or what country you're from. We're all people. And New York City really uh, that it really painted that picture for me. I mean, going to Philadelphia, obviously there's some diversity there, and I love that too. But as soon as we come out of the subway in New York City and you look through the streets, you're seeing all different kinds of people with different kinds of, you know, fashion choices. You can tell they come from different backgrounds. They all have their own thing that they're doing. They've got shit to do and they're getting it done. That's kind of what it looks like because it's so fast paced. Um, and I, I'm a more glasses half full kind of guy. I'm optimistic. So when I see all these people mo moving and hustling, bustling, I just see that as action, like People are being productive with their lives, and I freaking love it, man. Um, and all the diversity that's been within the city from the people and their backgrounds to the businesses that are all over the city and the variety and all of those, and also all the things that you can do in the city. That kind of ties into the business aspect. But um, then you have all the different neighborhoods of different cities and 
Like, you know, in Brooklyn alone, there's a handful of different neighborhoods and they all have different personalities to them. So no matter where you're from in the world, you could literally find a neighborhood that fits your interests in New York, probably. Like if you like sports, you're a big sports guy, you can probably live in a neighborhood that's a, a big collection of sports fans that travel to the games all the time. Like you can find something for you. And that's what I love about New York, the diversity, the action, and the people. I mean, like I always thought the people were mean because of all the stereotypes and the things that I've heard about the big city. But honestly, they were not. They, they understand what it's like to be somebody in a place who's never been somewhere before. And so if you're confused, they're like, they help you out. And I appreciated that a lot. And I will definitely be going back to New York City again. I'm not entirely sure when. But I know that when I'm there, I'm going to catch a Yankees game. Maybe even another Mets game. I don't even care. But I will catch a sporting event at the biggest city in the United States of America. Because why wouldn't I? <laughs> Maybe I'll catch a Knicks game next time. Or a Brooklyn Nets game, man. That would be so cool. But then we proceeded to have a two-hour delayed flight from JFK Airport to Salt Lake City. And had to drive home from there. Shout out to my wife, Keltron for being the real MVP in this situation and driving the majority of the way home from Salt Lake City on a massive can of Red Bull and a little bit of coffee and some chicken nuggets from McDonald's. You're the real MVP. I love you. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to go on this trip with you. It's been a, a hell of a time, unforgettable experience. Um, we got to do that again. What do you say? Now... That was a long story about traveling to Philly slash New Jersey slash New York City. So now let's get into some NBA awards recap action. What do you say? All right, I got the right one this time. So I'm going to keep this relatively quick, but then I'll probably uh, add some details to the winners as we get to that point um, and talk about why I think they got it, why they shouldn't have got it or whatever it is. You know what I mean? I didn't get to catch the entire show. I actually missed the uh, first couple of award winners, but I'm just going to go down the big, the um, important, you know, the ones that people talk about in the media. I'll go down this list. I'm not talking about like best teammate or best play of the year or anything like that. I'm talking about like coach of the year, most improved player, sixth man, rookie of the year, defensive player of the year, MVP. So back in episode 42, I predicted who I thought was going to get the um these awards and so let me actually go to the blog page and see how far back that was um let's see page two page three episode 42 was on march 14th so you know february ish is about the midpoint of the season a little bit after um at that point they played about 45 to 50 games it's not quite the halfway point but it helps you at the midway point to be able to try and form some opinions about who you think is going to win these awards because the teams have pretty much set their trajectory on where they're going to land, whether it's in the playoffs, high, playoffs, low, or just like bottom of the bunch, you know what I mean? So that episode was titled NFL Free Agency, NBA Award Predictions, and More March Madness Stuff because it was middle of March. Um. And in, the, in that episode, I made some very quick predictions. I, I, It was an hour and a half long episode. I, I'm going to defend myself on that. So I rushed some of these decisions. 
Uh, I'll actually link it to you. If you're watching here on Facebook, I'm going to link this to you so you can, you know that I rushed some of these decisions, okay? So that you know I did. But on that day, I said that I thought Quinn Snyder deserved the Coach of the Year award. Uh, my reasoning for that was basically um, I saw that I had seen that Dwayne Casey was had been in the news about getting that award. Um, people in the community were saying that he deserves it the most because uh, he managed to get to the playoffs so many times in his years there, and and they had the most wins in the East, and they still had the most wins in the East at the end of the season. But this is why it's a funny story, in the end. But my prediction was Quinn Snyder. I also had Brad Stevens in the mix. I had Mike D'Antoni in there. But Mike D'Antoni won it last year. And frankly, he's not doing anything too much different from what he did before. The players are just kind of taking over at that point. But coach of the year, I thought, was going to be Quinn Snyder because at the end of the year last year, they they ended up losing Joe Johnson at some point. They lost Gordon Hayward, obviously, and a couple other people. And they drafted a guy named Donovan Mitchell. Uh, they also lost uh, the guy who used to play for the Spurs, the French guy. Oh, geez. Oh, man, that's going to bug me. But anyway, they lost some vets. So they kept they kept Rudy. They kept Joe Ingles. They drafted a guy named uh, Donovan Mitchell. They got Rudy or Root. Oh, my gosh. Cannot use my, my words right now. Jazz roster. Wow. Ricky Rubio. So many different people, man. Uh, Derek Favors, I think he was there for the season. May have ended up leaving. They ended up acquiring Jay Crowder in the middle of the season with the trade. A bunch of trades that went down. Um, David Stockton, they acquired. John Stockton's son from Gonzaga. But con considering their lineup, man, they, they're kind of a ragtag bunch. Uh, I mean, Rudy Gobert was contending for Defensive Player of the Year last year and, and all that. He's been developing well. Ricky Rubio has proven himself in Minnesota. Um, and Joe Ingles is like had the highest three-point shooting percentage last year. So they have a bunch of good guys, but they're just kind of no-names. And I think it's because they're from a, a small market. I honestly think that's what it is, is they come from a small market, so their names are – they kind of get lost in, the, in all the gray area. But – because of Quinn Snyder's coaching ability and the talent brought by Donovan Mitchell, Quinn Snyder tapping into that, letting him play freely, man, the Jazz were kick-ass this year. And so I had Quinn Snyder being the coach of the year because of those reasons, losing a bunch of players and still managing to will his team to a playoff spot. Super cool story for Salt Lake City, man. That's so cool. Two years in a row made the playoffs. Before that, don't even remember when the last time was. It's been a while. But that award ended up going to Dwayne Casey, which everybody was talking about. Crazy story is Dwayne Casey was the head coach of the, and I said was, you heard me right. He was the head coach of the Toronto Raptors. But upon some early preliminary voting from his peers, he got chosen as you know coach of the year on their, on their regard. But then just after that, he got fired. He got fired by the Toronto Raptors after getting elected as coach of the year from his peers. Like I'm talking like coaches and writers and other executives in the league. He got voted as the coach of the year and then he got fired. The only reasoning they, that I can think of 
is that this guy has lost to LeBron in the playoffs three years in a row, got swept by LeBron and the Cavs. I, I got to correct myself, not LeBron. It's LeBron and the Cavaliers because they are heavily led by that guy. I mean, we all know that, but I have to make sure that I'm not putting him as the team. It's got to be him and the team. That's just a clarification. So he got fired after getting the most wins in the East, gets swept by the Cavs. And honestly, I thought the Cavs were going to get killed in the second round because LeBron, and in his age and his size and everything, I thought that he was going to break down in the second round, especially after a seven-game series against the Pacers in the first round. That didn't happen. They swept the Raptors. And I think that kind of shocked the GMs or the executives of the Raptors organization. And they're like, okay, we got to do something different. Get out of here. It's like, what? Then he goes on to win the he wins the NBA award at the end of the year for coach of the year, which I don't think he really deserved it, considering all that happened and uh, you know not a lot of things have changed in Toronto. You know they've had a similar uh, outlook of players, similar lineup and everything. Uh, they just couldn't get past the Cavs. But Quinn Snyder though he had to deal with some roster changes. And let's be honest, LeBron is more of a coach on that team than Ty Lue. Um, I mean, I, I, I think I jumped a gap there. Uh, <laughs> if you, maybe you followed me. Maybe you didn't. But what I meant was <laughs> the Jazz had to deal, deal with some roster changes, but so did the Cavaliers. And the Cavaliers coach, Tyron Lue, could not have won that award because LeBron is more of a coach on that team than he is. He holds more authority in that locker room. Therefore, Quinn, Quinn Snyder from the Jazz should have got that award. I thought that was no question. That was a no-brainer to me. Um, although in episode 42, I did debate with myself on whether that was accurate or not. So, Dwayne Casey, coach of the year for the Toronto Raptors. He just picked up a job with the Detroit Pistons as the head coach there. Congrats to him for moving on to something bigger and better. Maybe he can make that team good. Looking forward to that next year. On to the next award for the most improved player. I had actually chosen Julius Randle, and I was a little bit biased because I watched a lot of Lakers games Listening back on that episode, I know I was at least a little bit biased, uh, but his percentages were increasing all across the board, and he was kind of unstoppable this year. He's been quoted as being a, a bull in the china shop, uh, kind of just putting his head down and getting some contact in the lane, finishing, and whether he finished or not, there was a foul a lot of the times. He got an and one situation. Um, I picked Julius Randle, but that – Ended up not being the case. The most improved player was Victor Oladipo. I mean, this guy, he's, he comes from a background of playing with the Magic when he first got drafted, and he was a super talent coming into the NBA. Got traded from the Magic to the Thunder, where he played with Russell Westbrook. Uh, that went okay for a couple of years, and they made the playoffs, obviously, but they didn't move too far into there. And then he got traded to uh, the Indiana Pacers. And on this team... You know, there's not really any big standout guys because Paul George is gone now. So Victor Oladipo was the guy that shined on that team. I think that's sort of what helped him get the most improved player, but he definitely put the numbers up to show that he improved um, regardless of the situation. It doesn't matter. He was able to produce for that team, and he got that award um, with good merit. He, he deserved that. I give him that. Julius Randle, though, obviously had a very good improved season. Not compared to Victor Oladipo. He kind of skipped my brain when I was talking about that in episode 42. On to the sixth man award. Got this one on the head. 
Um, I don't remember the other guys that I mentioned in that in in this last one, but I think Jamal Crawford was a six man this year, and he's won that in the past. I think he won it last year. Um, he ended up winning uh, teammate of the year this year. Actually, uh, this is a guy who he's a veteran. He's always trying to get his guys involved, trying to communicate with them on and off the floor, make sure they're on the same page. Um, very honest and transparent guy. Just wanting to see his guys succeed as well as himself. Um, a lot of respect for Jamal Crawford. He's got one of the best handles in the game, and he can shoot lights out. So respect to Jamal Crawford for teammate of the year. That's freaking huge. Hashtag teamwork. Hashtag sportsmanship. Hashtag all the, all the different intangibles that he has because he's good. But sixth man of the year this year went to Lou Williams. Dude, coming off the bench, he was scoring like 20 points a game. <laughs> I mean, something like that. He was on the Lakers last year, got traded, and now he's kicking ass. Like, what the hell, man? Why can't you do that while you're on the Lakers? But that's me being a Lakers fan. So he won that. He's won it two times now in his life. On to some of the bigger ones, though. Rookie of the year. This one was announced early on in the show last night. Um, <clears throat> I thought it was going to be Donovan Mitchell hands down. Everybody, whenever you hear about Ben Simmons winning Rookie of the Year, you say he's not an actual rookie. He's had a year to bond with his team. He's had a year to develop his skills outside of the many years that he put in at LSU. How can you call him a rookie in his second year, even if he didn't play? That's just not fair, man. Especially when a guy like Donovan Mitchell comes in and totally changes the outlook for that team considering what they went through in the offseason. How do you give that to Ben Simmons? And I'm not mad just because my prediction was wrong. I'm mad because I'm looking at, like, the facts. I'm, I'm looking at a logical reasoning here of why Donovan Mitchell should have been Rookie of the Year, and he wasn't. I mean, he also won dunk. Of the, uh, he got <laughs> he won the dunk contest as well. Very impressive player. Everything the NBA wants to see. And maybe this is one reason you can look at the NBA and say that, oh, they're not picking the award winners based off of uh, views or based off of, uh, you know, ratings and stuff like that. Because Donovan Mitchell, I thought, was the clear favorite and he didn't get it. So it's like, what? How? I was expecting him to get that. But congratulations to Ben Simmons. He's obviously a good all-around player. He's kind of like a slower LeBron James. He's got a He's got a big size. He plays point guard at six foot seven or whatever, however tall he is, he's really good. But Donovan Mitchell, though, he had the most impact as a rookie on his team. You got to give that to the guy that deserves it the most. It's Donovan Mitchell. That one kind of has me fired up. For Defensive Player of the Year in episode 42, I mentioned really quickly, I'm like, oh, it's going to be Joel Embiid because the episode was at like an hour and 20 minutes at that point. So I had to get out of there. Uh, I said Joel Embiid, he was a, he was a candidate, a candidate, but uh, Rudy Gobert ended up winning that, and rightfully so. Dude had a hell of a season. He was up for it last year. And going up against Joel Embiid, the stats he put up between the All-Star break and the end of the season definitely showed why he's the, the defensive player of the year. Uh, shout out to Rudy Gobert. Love you, man. Um, your speech was awesome at the award ceremony, too. Very humble. Uh, and uh, you know, giving his family shout outs from his country where they don't even, don't even speak English. So he's like, going to have to get a translator up in there. <laughs> Uh, that was great, man. Shout out to Rudy Gobert. He's a good guy. And last but not least, obviously, is the MVP award. And this one is extremely controversial for a lot of different reasons, as we all can imagine. 
Um, when I did my predictions in episode 42, I made it extremely clear that I'm like, it's going to be James Harden hands down. That was my answer back in March, mid-March. And this is when the Cavs are going through their turmoil of the uh, trade deadline and uh, having to mesh with the new team. I didn't know how that was going to pan out for them, right? I thought it was going to be bad. I thought it was going to be bad for LeBron. I thought he was going to get kicked out in the first round, or no, second round. I thought he was going to get kicked out in the second round, and therefore he wouldn't get MVP just because he didn't show the longevity that uh, MVPs do. But lo and behold, LeBron James goes and puts up 82 games in a season. And I don't know if you're counting or anything, but that's how many games there are in a season in the NBA. He played every game this year. He's never done that in his 15-year career. Uh, let me go pull up the side-by-side. James Harden versus LeBron James. There are so many images coming out from these media outlets that I just I have to sh- I have to find one and tell you. All right, where is a good one here? When is this from? Where's the date? 2017 stats? Uh, I don't know if that's it. Uh, let me go to Twitter real quick. Twitter's got some good stuff. Maybe my phone's got some good stuff. I don't know. Oh, geez. Oh, man. That was scary. Okay. NBA. The NBA was even tweeting about this kind of stuff. So let me just roll through here and find it real fast. Oh, no. I'm going to do ESPN. ESPN's a lot more edgy these days, you know. ESPN's kind of like the outsider in all these sports and stuff. All right. Here's a side-by-side. I, I'm not going to share it with you. I'll just I'll give you the numbers here. Not only did LeBron play 82 games, and you know James Harden played 72. That's one small stat, right? LeBron scored about 60 more points than James Harden. He had about 320 more rebounds than James Harden. He had 117 more assists than James Harden. He shot <laughs> he shot 9.3% better from the field for an entire 82, 82 games. 9.3% better than James Harden. I mean, those are all some very important stat lines. But you have to also look at some other things. LeBron is an ultimate leader of his team. They went through some giant roster changes at the trade deadline, getting rid of Isaiah Thomas and some other people, uh, including Jay Crowder, who went to the Jazz. Isaiah Thomas went to the Lakers. And they ended up with Rodney Hood, Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance, some guys who had never played with a guy of this caliber before. They've Honestly, they've never had a great playoff experience. They're really young. LeBron managed to get them through a game seven in the first round against the Pacers, sweep the Raptors in the second round, and then go on and beat the seven or the, the Celtics also in a seven-game series to make it to the finals. Two seven-game series. And all the radio shows are talking about legacy and and how his you know, it's not adding up anymore about how he's, he's, he can't be compared to Michael anymore because his legacy doesn't show it. But it's like, dude, look, you, you got to take it by a situation-to-situation situation basis. 
Michael didn't have the same issues LeBron James had in his career. He had a pretty steady, solid, he had a solid team or two when he was with the Bulls, when he did two, three in a rows. Look at LeBron James, man. This guy, he has to go through different types of adversity. He works through it and he still finds a way to get to the finals eight times in a row. Plus, I think it's been eight. I can't remember the number. I think you get where I'm coming from, though. I, he deserved to. He deserves to be in that conversation, obviously, and we can always debate about it. and And I respect those conversations; they're always fun to have because they're never ending, and the game's always changing, and we can always talk about basketball because of it. But LeBron is up there, regardless of championships. He's proved himself time and time again that he's the best athlete on the planet of the earth. <laughs> this guy is insane. When he came in from high school. At one point, he had like a 40-plus vertical, 40-inch vertical plus. This dude's insane athlete. Not only that, though, he has an IQ for the game. that out He just outworks everybody. He, he knows the game. He can play, coach, and manage a team if he wanted to and still probably get to the playoffs at least. I'm a little bit off the script here, but I have a lot of respect for LeBron James. People out there who don't, you're not seeing the full picture, man. You got to look a little bit deeper than what you're looking. Because, sure, he whines a lot on the court, but he has a lot of other stuff going on. There's a lot of players that whine on the court. That's a generational thing. Kobe did that. Michael Jordan didn't do that. But that's when the game was different. It's all about winning championships now. Michael set the precedent of wanting to win championships, and that's it. Players will do everything they can to get there even if it means it's getting a foul called in game 12 of the regular season because that's one tiny little leg up on the competition that they could have to try and work towards getting a championship. I know that's a ridiculous comparison or a ridiculous way to look at it, but one call can change a game. You get that one call, you can win a game. And that one game can determine your playoff ranking in the fi- in the at the end of it. It determines your seeding. So it's a strategy now, and I kind of look past it because I'm like, okay, beyond that, it it is an annoying thing. I don't like it, but I look at everything else that's way more important, and I see that as where the gold is in the NBA. So to tie this whole thing up, LeBron James did not get MVP, although he beat James Harden in so many different ways, it's unbelievable. Um and I also thought James Harden was going to get the MVP award back then because back in March because he definitely helped will his team to getting a win using the the rules of the game just like every other player. But LeBron James at the end of it all he deserves this MVP. No question. And Nick Wright will tell you that LeBron deserves the MVP every single year he's been in the league. Probably true, but that's not how the NBA works, so it's not going to happen. <laughs> Um, but this year, especially LeBron deserved it last year. James Harden deserved it. He could have had it last year. Um, I just did the, the number of ways that LeBron affects the game for his team and getting them to the finals and all those situations. I understand they don't look at the playoffs all that much when it comes to this award. They look at the regular season, but even then with all the hardship, they still managed to get to the playoffs, um, which is respectable on a lot of different levels. Um, so that pretty much concludes that segment. 
LeBron James did not get MVP. Congratulations to James Harden, who got trolled many times in the ceremony uh, by the guy hosting it. Can't remember his name. Uh, always blanks me. Uh, but he's like, how does a guy get nominated for MVP if he can't play defense? And thrust the microphone in his face. <laughs> that was pretty rewarding. It's almost like the world knew that he was going to get it. And so they were trolling him up until then. Uh, and I I'll, I will admit, though, after I mentioned that he was going to get the MVP, after the fact, I was like, you know what? The NBA wants to give it to, to James Harden, but LeBron James deserves it the most. They just won't give it to him because it doesn't provide enough diversity in the fan base. I think it's a sort of a ratings thing at that point. But I said James Harden. I was correct, but I don't feel proud of that because LeBron totally deserves it. So if you look at episode 42, listen to my predictions and uh, you can hate on me all, my, all you want, but I'm always going to come clear to you, man. I'll be straightforward and transparent. I think LeBron deserved that MVP. No question. No question. And that right there, my friends, is everything that I have for you. But I, before I go, I do have to talk about a couple of awards that were given out. They were really cool in the NBA award ceremonies. Um, I, I love the way they did the show this year. I, I don't know how different it was from last year, but they had like, you know, Kenny and Chuck and Shaq and Ernie all up on the stage doing like their live TNT show. They would do it on the halftime, you know, but doing it live for the NBA awards show. And it, I think that's where they belong. Their halftime show. I'm not a huge fan because they just kind of banter back and forth all season long. gets really old. But when you see it once at the end of the season for the NBA awards ceremony, super good. Keep doing that. Uh, but then you've got awards like uh, basketball executive of the Executive of the Year went to Daryl Morey of the Houston Rockets. Uh, Sportsmanship Award went to Kemba Walker for the, from the Charlotte Hornets. Sportsmanship, I see, is an intangible. It reflects on the society of our, our world and our country as a whole, uh, how you treat other people, and sportsmanship is very much about that in light of the competition that you have with other people and trying to be better than them. But the big one at the end of the night, I mean, there was a few. But the Sager Strong Award went to Dikembe Mutombo, a guy who's built a hospital in the in the uh, Democratic Republic of the Congo, um, and he plans to do more. Uh, I love Dikembe. His voice is stellar, um, and I look forward to seeing what kind of work he does in the future. Lifetime Achievement Award goes to Oscar Robertson. They made some rules after him regarding free agency. Uh, he was the triple-double king before Russell Westbrook comes along and gets 41 in the season last year. Uh, then you've got the, the Twyman Stokes Teammate of the Year Award, Jamal Crawford, Minnesota Timberwolves. Shout-out to that guy. Uh, not only is sportsmanship imp- important in you know showing respect for your opponents uh, with a common goal in mind of winning, um, but also showing respect for your teammates. I mean, it's pretty obvious, but... A guy who can get the teammate of the year award. He's doing a lot for his team. Um, and uh, I, I look forward to what the Timberwolves can do in the future with Jimmy Butler and Carl uh, Anthony Towns and Jamal Crawford. You got that veteran leadership. Got some young guys coming up. I think they'll do well in the future. <clears throat> NBA Cares Community Assist Award went to Kevin Durant. He's putting up basketball courts all over the place. Uh, play of the year. Winner was the clutch shot by LeBron James uh, against, I don't remember who, but, again, it's all based on the regular season, not the postseason. He did have a, a game winner in the postseason, which should have been the play of the year. Uh, or, you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo's dunk over a guy. That was that was pretty big. That was a runner-up. Clutch shot was also LeBron James. Same thing. 
Dunk of the year was Giannis Antetokounmpo. Block of the year was Anthony Davis. Assist of the year, LeBron James. That one against the Lakers where he like looked this way and like one-handed pass the other way. Handle of the year was Kyrie Irving where they were playing on the old-school Milwaukee Bucks court. Dribble, dribble, crisscross, pow, pow, does a 360 between two guys, puts up a ball, bounces around the rim, and it drops. That's Kyrie Irving for the handle of the year. Best style, Russell Westbrook, no question. Hustle award was Amir Johnson, Philadelphia 76ers, and uh, I'm going to stop it there. Uh, I want to say thanks to y'all for listening to this episode. It's been a long one. Uh, Michael just said Timberwolves. Uh, Shout out Timberwolves. Uh, Michael says LeBron shouldn't have got best play of the year. Definitely that Milwaukee player, LOL. Giannis, I totally agree, man. I think that should have been the play of the year. That clutch shot by LeBron is just like, yeah, it's great. You got the win, but how often does a guy jump over a guy? LeBron did that once too. He jumped over a guy who played for the Bulls a few years back when he played for the Heat. Jumped straight over the guy like he wasn't even there. But a lot of hope for the Timberwolves as well. Uh, So shout out to Michael, my bro, for coming through the podcast. And thanks to anybody who's listening right now. We've got a lot of big things planned for the Abstract Sports brand going forward. We've been getting a lot of action in the emails from people um, looking to build build a bigger and better audience through connections and partners in the community. So look forward to some of that. Um, (laughs) Michael on Facebook says, who jumps over people? Giannis. yeah, you're correct, <laughs> as we've seen. But that pretty much does it for me. Be sure to support the blog and the podcast with a donation. If you go to abstractsports.com support, you can make a generous donation there that helps us keep the website online for years to come and continue providing a hub for all of our content to live for you to take in whenever you like. Uh, also, be sure to hit that follow button, that subscribe button. Follow us on Instagram. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, you name it. Just look for Abstract Sports. Find the the logo with the A, with the S running through it. Uh, I would appreciate the follow and help help us build this thing up even more with all the things that are going on. Um, And be sure to go to abstractsports.com. We've always got new content for you. Um, New sports are going to be put into the blog coming up this week. Uh, and I'm I'm excited to see who's interested in that and and hopefully build an audience around that little niche as well. So always stay tuned to abstractsports.com. This is the Abstract Sports Podcast, episode 53, hashtag BSB2L, a.k.a. bringing sports back to life. Shout out to everybody who follows and listens and views. We love you guys. We'll see you next week, next Wednesday, 9 p.m. Eastern time here on Facebook.com slash Abstract Sports. Until next time, have a good rest of your week. Have a good weekend. We'll see you next Wednesday. All right, peace out.